0: Hey guys, thank you for joining another episode of Tim' Full Thoughts. As you're reading, this is a deleted episode that I, after listening to it, I decided to go ahead and put it up. It wasn't quite conspiratorial enough to my, to my liking, but after listening to it, I realized, holy smokes, it was good information that Renegade was sharing with us, so I decided to go ahead and post this one, and uh, hopefully you guys like it. So let me know what you guys think. We got plenty more deleted episodes that I can just post up for you guys to listen. They're raw, unedited. So let's get into it. Thanks again, guys. Tim, Tim,
1: Tim for, your thoughts. Tim, Tim, Tim for your thoughts. Is it
0: you? Is it me? Or is it all of us?
1: Tim for your thoughts. Welcome to the show.
0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Tin Foil Thoughts.
2: Welcome, welcome. Welcome,
0: welcome. It's Never too my, crazy. Never too crazy. So it's myself along with the other person. Renegade. I almost Renegade, forgot my still name. Going, still going with Renegade. I like it. I'll take it. So guys, <laughs> on today's episode, Uh-oh. we're going to conspiracy about dogs barking in the background. Have you ever heard dogs <laughs> bark in the background? Because I have.
2: I know. <laughs> the dogs are all mad. They're like, where'd she go?
0: Where'd she go? Is
2: she coming back?
0: No, no. So on today's podcast, guys, we're going to be talking about
2: the business of being born.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Now that's going to trickle over to a little bit about uh, the medical field and kind of, you know, the conspiracy theory about certain other stuff, but we're going to be talking about how much it costs and why it costs so much, along with a bunch of other topics on childbirth.
2: Boom. Yeah. So, So one, the American healthcare system, let's just start there is this garbage <laughs>
0: okay so for example for for one as a kid i remember looking at the nutritional pyramid and seeing that that didn't make sense why should be eating that much bread and all this other yeah, stuff
1: yeah.
0: Like, it doesn't make no sense and then as i got older and really got uh you know i have some friends who are professional bodybuilders and stuff and what they eat to cut weight versus what they eat to be healthy is not the same thing oh. chicken breast and broccoli is not what they eat consistently for them to be healthy they eat a good amount of fats they eat you know uh, carbohydrate sweet potatoes fats and stuff yeah, like that. yeah good stuff to get to get in shape like me recently i've been fasting for ramadan and my body has fallen apart because i haven't been eating the same foods i haven't been the same nutritional pattern i've just changed it for six weeks and i've fallen apart dang well, i was outside trying to jump and what happened <laughs> My legs gave out even more. It was the grass, yeah. It was the even, grass. Even, yeah, but even <laughs> someone else and I was just like, hey, you, you almost fell down just trying to jump. I'm like, you're not wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, just trying to get back into the gym after eating on a deficit. I didn't lose any weight, to be honest with you. But just the way that they tell you how to eat in general... Is not right. And you, you get to kind of understand that that's not right, the nutritional pattern. First of all, last time I went to the doctor, I think I threw out my back. And when I was at the doctor's office, I was told by the doctor who was morbidly obese. She was a morbidly <laughs> obese 40-year-old white lady. And she sits down and she goes, maybe you're focused on working your upper body more than your lower body. I was like, fool, I got skinny legs because that's genetics. Now, I beat myself up today just doing squats because I do a lot of squats and deadlifts. My <laughs> legs don't grow, guys. I got them them John Jones legs, you know? Them yeah, toothpicks. them runner
1: legs. <laughs> Man, I don't know what's up
0: with that. I got that high muscle fiber. I was always fast. I got them skinny, skinny, skinny legs. Not like the super, you know, the sprinters who have those big old quads. Yeah, I got yeah. them long, distant runner legs. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't help it. But I do squats, deadlifts like I did today, all leg day, and they don't grow. So I know other people like that, too. But, you know, for her to be giving me advice, I knew for real quick. I'm like, wait a second.
2: Yeah. And then, and then doctors used to recommend cigarettes. So you can dive into that a little bit, You used too. to smoke
0: on airplanes, by the way. Airplanes, you could smoke on an aeroplane.
2: You smoke every, You could smoke giving birth. <laughs> you literally could. Didn't they'd offer you I a didn't cig- know that. They'd offer you a cigarette right after or while you're in labor and stuff. It's just... Doctors recommended cigarettes to calm nerves and... Hey.
0: What? I started smoking probably, <laughs> what what was that? Uh, like a year ago? A year no. ago.
2: Yeah. Well, I,
0: now I smoked for about six months. Yeah. I only did it because I wanted to hang around other people, which is my <laughs> wife, because she smoked for a little bit for a while. She smoked her whole life, actually, but she had to stop smoking recently. But anyways, but uh, she started smoking, so for me to hang out with her, I would go and start. I picked up a pack of cigarettes to the point where I ended up finding my own brand, Meth- Menthol 100s. Marble menthol 100s. (laughs) (laughs) Those became my cigarette. I get now why they smoke it. So when I was in Turkey, I was smoking in taxi cabs. I was smoking at hotels. Oh, my God. Smoking at restaurants. They don't care. Everyone smokes in Turkey. And then coming back here, I finally stopped smoking, obviously, because my hair fell out. But conspiracy. But my hair was falling out. I was going bald. All because I was smoking. It was weird. As soon as I stopped smoking, all my hair grew back.
2: Well, yeah, we grew up like... um... Our parents, parents were smokers a yeah. lot a lot a lot that was a lot of cigarettes now that i think back as a kid i'm like oh my god like they- <laughs>
0: didn't work didn't work didn't work <laughs> morris is all <laughs> mad because
2: when i'm gone the the dogs give them a hard time yeah, when they funny. know i'm missing
0: <laughs> all i heard was shut up and then attack
2: who let the dogs out roof <laughs> 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 They're like, How about this then?
0: <laughs> I'll shut up after I say this.
2: Yeah. So, um so yeah, I just remember seeing a lot of cigarettes and I always remember thinking like it just can't it can't be healthy it to inhale be. that. Like even I had friends, you know, that smoked like marijuana and stuff and I was like, ah, I just don't think that's good for your breathing. <laughs> like it's
0: not. They're like, it's better than cigarettes. Uh to true, be honest guys, I don't no. know. I don't know. <laughs> Putting smoke in your lungs, I don't think that's good at any point.
2: And then you have people dying that come out of f- fires, right? They, they they inhale smoke from fires yeah. and they're dying and they're of yeah, heart attacks. Exactly. You're like, wait a second.
0: And then, they, you know, especially 9-11, everyone getting that inhaling all those people fumes, which are like all the burning dead. They oh end up dying God. like 10 years. I didn't years. know that. Yeah, for the people that were covering human bodies for 9-11... Like the concrete, the silica dust and all oh, that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And causing massive, massive issues. The smoke Dang. and all that other stuff. So that's crazy. So,
2: yeah, so let's reel it back a little bit. So yeah, the, I don't know the what Mar- I'm talking about. The, let's go. The American healthcare system is highly, highly, highly expensive. It, it, the cost for just an ER visit is astronomical. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous.
0: We had to we had to go to the emergency room um, to do an ultrasound. Uh, the wife was maybe a couple like a month pregnant. Yeah, sounds about uh, right. We went to the emergency room, didn't have insurance at the time, and then got the bill, and it was start at twelve thousand dollars for an God, ultrasound. God. trust me, they didn't need twelve thousand dollars of shit. Yeah, you know, were
2: they like thirty minutes? Uh,
0: because all they did, look, at home I have a miniature clinic. I have a blood pressure cuff, you know, oxometer. I have, you know, heart monitors. I have uh, blood. I mean, any you name it. Anything you can buy legally and, and even the stuff you have to buy illegally from China as pharmaceutical companies, all that stuff. I got st- Stuff I can get from Mexico. <laughs> you know, you can go to a pharmacy in Mexico and get every drug you need. You ever heard of a modafinil? That's why I'm so stupid. And smart at the same time.
2: What's modafinil?
0: Look it up, guys. You tell her what modafinil is. She's too stupid to know what modafinil. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> modafinil is actually known as the CEO super drug. It's a brain drug that you take it and it makes you smarter.
2: Oh, did we talk about this already? Where don't it's think like we did. limitless, the limitless I, movie. What happened that? to me?
0: I took it, got a headache, fell asleep. <laughs> it's pretty smart to me. <laughs> I was so excited when I got it too. I went to Mexico and I asked her, I asked the lady, I showed her a picture because you show a pharmacist in Mexico, you show her a picture and she's like, my dafa I'm like, yeah. Like I pretend like, yeah, that's what I need. <laughs> and she goes, 200 pesos. I was like, what the fuck? Wait a second. 200 pesos. like, Oh, that's like $8. Of course. <laughs> Here you go. It was so nice. I was like, okay. Cause a hundred pesos, 200 pesos is like $2, a thousand pesos. I think I paid a thousand pesos. What's 200 pesos? Anyways, whatever 1,000 pesos is. So I paid like eight bucks.
2: Yeah, I think it like almost, it, like you add a zero, right? You, for.
0: So 200 pesos is like a dollar.
2: Yeah. So sounds it, right. Yeah. So
0: it's like in pennies. Sounds I paid right. like 10 bucks. Someone email us and tell us. <laughs> Anyways, <I> don't, don't <laughs> listen to me. But, yeah, all that stuff you can get by just walking into a pharmacy, anything you have to travel. I've traveled a lot of places, so I'll, I'll get drugs every time I go somewhere. And then I feel like a criminal, you know, smuggling abroad. Yeah, no, that no, show? these are
2: legal. These are legal. Yeah, yeah.
0: What is that show called? You know, uh, Smuggling, that smuggling show? Captured Abroad or something like that? Oh, Arrested <laughs> I Abroad? I forgot that existed. <laughs> <laughs> That's me half the time I go to another country.
2: Well, yeah, there's this upward trend where people are going to other countries like Mexico. and You
0: can get a visa now. To travel for medical reasons,
2: oh wow, I didn't of know that.
0: Yeah, that. like in Morocco, you're not allowed to travel to another country, but you can actually apply for a a medical visa where you can actually travel for healthcare.
2: Oh wow, yeah, it's pretty neat. That's crazy. Cool. That's really cool. So
0: that's how affordable healthcare is in other places where you can actually travel. I think like a heart transplant in India, for the time there, what's a heart transplant here's anywhere from five hundred thousand to a million dollars. Holy smokes! Heart transplant in India. You can actually just go get it for a couple thousand bucks. I think it's like ten thousand dollars, eight thousand dollars, and I mean it's insane. well, not
2: even that. There's like dental work. People travel to get just basic dental work that they don't get here. It, it just everywhere. the The problem in the United States is that the insurance companies now they control what the prices are because they want to get paid. They're now the middleman between the hospital and yeah. the patient so the they actually control the prices now because when you have to file through insurances and they you know anytime anytime you're gonna have a middleman your prices are gonna go up it's always gonna be cheaper just paying directly to a place but you know they'll charge you i forget what i saw a, a cost breakdown on like a facebook group or something one time where they were sharing their their bill and it broke down like uh, acetaminophen was like 130 dollars oh, for yeah. one pill oh, yeah. a bag of saline which i think they they manufacture for like six cents or something even less than that they charge you you know 200 300 dollars for a bag of saline it's like what yeah. you're charging people this much for a ba- one bag of saline so, you know, it just adds on these costs and not even that. We can then dive into birth specifically. So The the Business of Being Born was a documentary that uh, came out. I think it was, is it Ricky Lake that does The Business of Being Born? I can't remember. Um, but I'd highly recommend that documentary. Go check it out. Uh, you can probably get it on all streaming platforms at this point. Um, but, yeah, watch The Business of Being Born. They really go into depth on that. But, I mean, they birth has just become this phenomenon where they're convincing women that their bodies aren't able to do what their bodies have been doing for years for depending on your belief millions of years right so you go into a hospital, a woman's pregnant, your whole pregnancy, you have this kind of, if you do like a hospital birth, obviously, I'm an advocate for home birth. Uh, I don't know how deep we'll get into this this time, but. Okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but with a hospital birth, you're pregnant, you see an obstetrician. Sometimes it's, you know, you don't really visit the same hospital. Sometimes you do, depending on your area. So you visit your your OB in this building. It's very short, quick They get you in, they get you out. It's very factory line style where they don't spend a lot of time talking to you. They don't spend a lot of time asking about mental health. They don't take a lot of time, you know, sharing your options with you. They're just very cut and dry. This is your date. Come back. Next week we do this. Next week we do this. If you don't deliver by this date, we'll induce, you know, your options for C-section, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you take a tour of the hospital and you see, like, the maternity area that you're going to go to when you go into labor and whatnot and so as you're entering the building immediately they start with interventions so immediately when you come in you know you're in a wheelchair you're already restricting a woman's movement and especially in labor that's really really important for a woman to be able to move freely the way that she wants to so you restrict her into the sitting mode in a wheelchair and you know then she has to be wheeled to another area um, I have firsthand experience with this because I went into labor with Titus and I didn't realize I was in labor because he was my first child. So what actually happened is we were worried something was wrong. So we had a planned home birth, but we went to the hospital while I was in, in labor with him. Okay. So we got to the hospital and they separate you and your spouse. And I. Obviously, there's good reasons for this because, you know, you have to talk about, like, are you being abused? Are you safe? Blah, blah, oh, blah. Nice. You know, they oh, take wow. those, that opportunity okay. to do that. Didn't know that. Women's in labor. How important that really is for someone in my situation where I'm not being abused. I obviously did not find it helpful. I was very, very annoyed because I was there thinking something was wrong with my child. I was there for a specific issue and I was not concerned with them needing to do their little screening on me at that moment. Right. So they separate us, then they take us back. It's very cold. The care that I had been used to my entire pregnancy where I had midwives were a midwifery appointment. It's just way different because you go in, you're greeted by the same midwife. It's a very homey, welcoming atmosphere. Most of the appointment, minimum, it's an hour long, minimum. And <laughs> to get that from an obstetrician, it's not going to happen. You might be in the building two hours, but you're going to see your OB for maybe 10 minutes of that. Whereas with the midwife, the entire hour you're there, they're talking to you about mental health, how you're feeling, how you're dealing with things, other options you can use to deal with them, resources, you know, they just kind of check on you, take their time and really spend time with you. So, you, so having that and then switching back to the hospital uh, atmosphere for that brief moment when i was in labor with titus it was very shocking to me i think that's really what woke me up like this is a problem this they truly they're here to gather money from me i'm i'm now a product and i'm no longer a human coming into here so you know they separate us back you know the ladies like you're in labor the nurse and i was like well i just want to make sure my baby's okay right i have all these questions while i'm in labor not realizing i'm in labor i just think i'm in pain and something's wrong gotcha. there's no comfort there there's no reassurance you know she leaves me in this room and she's like "Change into this ground Um, i was in the restroom and i was like i don't think i can change by myself but she just <laughs> leaves me in the restroom Bye. so yeah i know <laughs> no. so i'm like changing into this gown and Trying to do my best as I'm having contractions and I'm just pissed off at this point. And then she leads me back to the the little bed in the emergency room. And she's like, yeah, get on this bed. And I'm visibly struggling to get onto this bed because uh, there's so much noise in the background of this <laughs> You should hear the other ones. You should hear the other ones. <laughs> we had, earlier, Ozai's was like jumping up and down, and I I had to go put the brakes on because yeah. you can lock the thing so you can't jump anymore, and he's all mad. Listen to
0: the next podcast. <laughs> we just dealt with it. We're like, we're good. Let's keep going.
2: This is our life, yeah, y'all. <laughs> it
0: happens. New studio, new fans.
2: Yeah, exactly. We need like soundproofing or something one day. <laughs> one day, one day. Um. So, yeah, I am visibly struggling to get onto this bed. This lady's refusing. Not refusing. I just... I'm sure... Had I not been in labor, I could have maybe vocalized like, hey, dummy, I need help. Come help me out. But because I'm Mm -hmm. in labor, you know, I don't know where Marius is. I think I asked her, where's my husband? I need my husband. And uh, I finally managed to get on, roll myself onto this bed because I'm pretty short. So it just, it was not a good time. And being in labor and being, feeling like you're a thousand pounds because you're nine months pregnant. Yeah. So (laughs) I finally get onto this bed and the lady's like, okay, I need to check you. And I'm like, no, just check the baby. I'm here to, you know. So she wants to obviously do like a cervical check. And um, I was like, no, just check the baby. She's like, I need to do that to check the baby because you're in labor. And I'm sure part of it, I just wasn't quite hearing her. But she's just very cold. So I was like, okay, but I need my husband. So she just goes, checks me, very cold interaction as well. There's no real um what's the word like she doesn't really prep me on what's about to happen this is my first time actually being checked in my entire pregnancy because midwives don't check before you're in labor gotcha unless it's you're requesting it or for some medical reason so this is my first experience ever being having a cervical check which is just an uncomfortable thing altogether most any woman listening to this will know men no it's not a comfortable thing so then she puts this they strap the problem with hospitals too is one right they immediately start to restrict your move, movement but also they they stick this strap across your pregnant belly and it has a fetal monitor on it so that's going to monitor your contractions and the baby's heart rate So they strap this thing onto you. They strap a blood pressure cuff that you have to leave on your arm. When you get admitted into a hospital, thank God I wasn't there long enough for them to, but they put an IV into your arm. So imagine laboring. You're bringing a human into the world. You have this thing strapped to your belly. You have another thing strapped to your arm. You have an IV in your arm. You're restricted into this bed, and you're laying on your back so that... (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's allergies. Yeah, yeah. It's Sorry. Charlie. I need you to shoved go the face into Charlie. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did.
2: <laughs> so, you know, you have all these restrictions that come with that. So, we know already naturally that when you start to restrict a woman's movement, you start to restrict, restrict you know, what makes her comfortable, you start making her work against gravity, there's going to become an interventions, right? And the reason that women birth on beds is because it's more convenient for the doctors. Because when you look at a midwife or even old in the, in the old, I always say the old times, but in history where midwives were used, women used like hanging ropes, birthing stools, you know, it was oh, very, wow. you're very close to the ground. Yeah. But in a hospital setting, you know, they use the, the floor is not sterile type of, um, which is true, right? It's a hospital, but also the bed, the woman is put up on stirrups at the you know, chest level sometimes of the doctor. So the doctor can kind of sit on a stool and be comfortable. And then the woman does all this work to pop the baby onto the doctor's hands. Mm. So it's all designed to benefit the doctor, which, I mean, doctors at that time were mostly male obstetricians, right? So they don't know the experience of birth, right? We can also go into... This goes so far deep. But again, this is I'm trying to try my best to keep it short because there was times in history where they actually drugged women and put them into like this sleep state Dang. when they were giving birth so that they were kind of unconscious and they couldn't ask for the things that they wanted. Uh, there was there's like this patent that uh, some idiot doctor Patented, he thought it was going to be this bold idea that people were going to steal, I guess, where he actually designed like a centrifuge for a woman. And in his mind, he thought. you You put this woman you spin the baby out holy so it's just garbage ideas that came out of this where we still have a lot of those interventions that kind of happen in the healthcare system already so right you restrict movement right you're already upping a woman's chance of not being able to birth her baby properly you make her work against gravity you know they lay you on your back on this bed so instead of being able to be upright and birthing your baby down and working with gravity they lay you on a bed and when a woman's on the on the bed, our pelvis actually points slightly upward angle. So when you're you have a woman in stirrups on a bed in her back, she actually put has to push a baby up and out.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. So
2: it actually makes it a lot more difficult. Now there's a lot of hospitals obviously where they have different stirrup setups. So mm. the hospital beds kind of in the maternity ward sometimes turn into more of a chair like situation, which is a lot more ideal for a woman's birthing position. So you have all of these things that start happening. And then, you know, you also have interventions with scissors, right, which is called episiotomy. So with episiotomies, the person actually takes the doctor actually takes scissors and they cut. And that is such an heavily it's such a widely used practice that's just. Frankly, outdated because the 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 perineum there is designed to stretch. It's right. designed to have that m- amount of pressure on there, and for the baby to come out slowly. And because these male doctors wanted the babies, they're not coming out fast enough or fast enough to their liking. Right. Then you know they start designing this idea. Well, let me cut. Sometimes, granted, so in they the perineum is necessary. Or they do it. They do. Unfortunately, they no. still do that. Um, m- most of the time, it's unnecessary. Um, right. there's uh, cases where they've actually done it against the woman's will where they ask them please don't cut me please don't cut me and the doctor is still going to cut so any the, the problem is it's kind of similar to like with police when you have a doctor that's gone to school for this many years similar to like when you have a police officer that's been a police officer for very many years they have this complex where they think just because they have a uniform you can no longer state your rights you can no longer have demands or choices at that point and so doctors tend to get very abrasive towards any oh, yeah. person that's giving oh, yeah. birth that says no i don't want that you're not going to do that that's not necessary so they ha- you start having all of these things and then there's a there's a trail of intervention that actually starts taking place as soon as you come in so as you get an IV, the woman starts retaining water so that essentially makes your baby um retain water as well so your baby actually quote unquote becomes bigger right Mm. so it absorbs that water so it seems like a bigger baby to birth than the normal because you have that injection of a woman should stay hydrated i'm not against that but the way that the iv works is not ideal either right and then also there's such a push for like an epidural so with an epidural you know, you have, you're basically numb from the waist down. So with an epidural, a woman can't feel the contractions coming. She can't gauge with her body. She can't have, a lot of the times they don't have this natural sensation that you get when your cervix is fully dilated and you're actually ready to push. Your body naturally sends you signals um, that signals you like, okay, I'm ready to push. And it's almost instinctual. You can't even stop your body from from pushing you're just ready you know you're at that point so that starts to stop that and then also when you're paralyzed from the waist down essentially you can't move in the way that you want to either so a lot of times women will move or they'll rock depending on the position of their baby and it actually helps the baby shift into the ideal position so you need that so because they get an epidural right and then it starts to slow contractions and when it slows contractions then they need to use something called pitocin so pitocin is When a woman goes into labor, she naturally produces oxytocin, which I'm sure you know about oxytocin. Of course. So naturally, that's what a woman produces when she goes into labor. And that actually helps manage her pain naturally because oxytocin is a love hormone. So, right, it calms the body. It puts the woman in a state of peace, even though she's doing this miraculous thing of birthing a human. Right. So when you paralyze your body to help with the pain, sometimes, you know, people do need that, but... This is just the chain of interventions that starts happening. So you paralyze, you restrict mobility, then contractions start to slow down because the body can't truly understand what's going on. So since contractions are slowing down, now you need to use pitocin, which is an artificial version of oxytocin, to increase contractions, which now make contractions heavier and harder which are even more difficult on the body right so then you know sometimes the woman gets epidural before sometimes if she gets induced first then that requires her to need an epidural because the contractions are so much more painful than natural contractions so anyways you go down this chain you know that kind of repeats back and forth until they tell the woman well you can't birth your baby see your body's broken essentially they're like we need to cut you open so the c-section what yeah. is it's major abdominal surgery and now it's it's very very common
0: they just act to be honest people just talk about it like yeah just They're like, yeah i had a c-section right, but it's right, major right, abdominal
2: right, right, right. surgery and now now it's allowed for women to choose to do this electively
1: yeah that's so crazy. why
2: would you electively choose major abdominal surgery over birthing yes it is it is not a it is not all kisses and rainbows you know it's a very intense process that happens for some women it's very very painful but to just jump and the fact that they're just allowing women to just jump to <laughs> major abdominal right. surgery too much it's 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 insane and on top of that the cost that comes associated with that right so it's just a system designed to put the woman in the state of almost failure or dependence on the medical system so they treat a pregnant woman like she or a laboring woman like she has an illness right so a hospital is where you think of any other time anytime you go to a hospital you're sick or dying that's it you're sick or dying that's the only time you go to a hospital so why they transition women that are doing something that's a natural process designed to go into a place where they're sick and dying people with a newborn that has a brand new Low in the immune system. You're designing the system where it becomes you become very dependent on that same system. So then, you know, especially for families that have multiple children. Right. So you your first child ends up a C-section. Right. They essentially shoot down your confidence and say, well, your body doesn't work. You know, you can't birth your baby without us. So then the next one becomes a C-section and then the next Uh, one has to be a C-section. And now you have a limit on how many C-sections you you can have.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you're limited to childbirth all of a sudden.
2: Exactly. So now you're limiting the population through that, right? Is that a whole other conspiracy theory? I'm there for, I'm here for. It's never too crazy. Never too crazy. (laughs) So it's just this big chain that starts to happen and then they want to charge you at the end of it, right? After all of this, they convince you, I'll break the numbers down completely for you. We have home births. it's three to four, thousand dollars in our area. this is Texas. Four thousand dollars. That's that's continued care. that's care for prenatal, my entire pregnancy. that's six weeks after. The care for the baby and myself, they come to our home. I'm in the comfort of my home. I never have to leave my house while I'm in labor, unless obviously I have to get transferred, but we have plans in place for that. I'm a low-risk pregnancy, so again, a home birth is an option for me. But they come to me. They care for me. They, you know, I get an hour long appointment every each and every single time they ask about my mental health. They make sure I'm eating right. They give me, you know, meal plans and make sure I'm hydrated. You know, they test for these things to make sure that I am as stable as I say that I am. Mm -hmm. And I get all of this for four thousand dollars. And then you get all of these other interventions. You get this cold shoulder. You get the system that then by the end of your childbirth, instead of like most home births like all of my home births have ended anyway where i feel empowered and i feel like a super person you know i'm yeah. like my god an entire human just came out came out of me i can do anything nothing can stop me right i'm on this i'm legitimately high for several days after wow, i have a baby crazy. it's yeah. it's insane i don't feel any pain as soon as the baby's there you know i'm i'm, I'm legitimately high for several days That's the best way that I can explain it. Versus in a hospital setting, you know, you're very, they shoot you down. By the end of it, it's like, man, my body didn't work. I had to do this. You know, if you end with a C-section, I know there's a lot of stories that, I read and I'm not just saying that obviously I've, I've never had a c-section so I'm not saying this just willy nilly and I'm in a lot of birth support groups where I've heard and read all of these stories and talked to women face to face about these as well where they just feel defeated they feel like why should I have another one because my body does not work
0: which is impar- I mean that's crazy to even right. tell a woman
2: exactly you know. so they shoot- you got
0: pregnant but you can't have the baby what? exactly <laughs> What?
2: there's even this like the whole thing where they're like oh uh, your baby's too big right so they use this, this idea of oh your baby's too big so you need a c-section right so they don't even allow you to labor they're just like no no your baby's too big we're just going to take you up and cut you open when they use an ultrasound and ultrasounds can be off give or take two pounds up to two pounds which is insane for a, a small human where you're saying your baby's too big and not to mention a woman's hips we actually have so a woman's hips aren't one bone. It's actually several bones compiled together. So you have two major bones and then you have kind of a middle bone and two pieces of cartilage between the two major hip bones and this little tiny bone in the front. So when the when the woman actually gives birth, it actually separates a bit right there so that the baby can come through. And also the baby has plates on their head, you know, that kind of smush together to allow the baby to exit as well. So The, the, the audacity that they have to tell a woman, your baby is too big to come out of your hips, which in rare instances, yes, it does happen. And obviously we have historical evidence where, uh, you know, women had like rickets and stuff where it's, you obviously have pelvic problems, right? But when you have a a healthy, normal pelvis, typically a woman's body is going to grow a baby that it can birth, right? Right. I've had a 10 pound baby, right? Right. Fair enough. I am not even five foot tall, right? So, you know, Jackie, our, our oh, there we go. I blasted her. Hey. <laughs> Our mom had a 10-pound baby with, with our brother.
1: Yeah.
2: Our, our grandma had, I think, a few 10-pound babies, right? So yeah. they, there's this idea that the baby's weight determines if you can birth it or not. And it's just, it's just ridiculous, the things that they, they come up with. Now, twins are at automatic C-sections in hospitals. You'll, you'll be hard-pressed to find a doctor in a hospital that allows you to have a natural birth with C-sections, You're hard-pressed to find that nowadays. The C-section rate in the United States is one in three. 33%. One in three women end up with a C-section. That's wild. Where you look at natural birthing communities, right, where they have, like, these farms and stuff where they, that's their number one option is to birth unless they absolutely need to be transferred out. They have, you know, uh, C-section rates as low as, you know, 10% or something, or even, I think some of them have like 0.05%. Like they have such a low, low rate for C-sections versus in the United States or even other countries. Yeah. Other countries, their, their C-section rate, I think like Italy, is very, very low. They're very adamant about natural birth. And there's a, there's a physio- physiological process that takes place too with the bonding that happens with your child when you do give birth naturally. So there's... Excuse me. I'm like, (laughs) I'm getting way too into it. I'm like, it's a
0: conspiracy. (laughs) It's a conspiracy. (laughs) So, okay. So, so your conspiracy, now correct me if I'm wrong. So your conspiracy is based that women necessarily don't need to go to the hospital and have a C-section. Have, what is that thing again? Pesiotomy, epidural. Epidural and everything else. So, uh, which, I mean... It's not that far-fetched that a woman can have a baby naturally, but you're right. These days, it seems that everything is the person's incapable of having a a baby naturally. So that's kind of what you're coming from on your perspective is saying that this is a lot of the stuff that we think is on the TVs and movies that's necessary. Might not be necessary, guys.
2: Yeah. I mean, every depiction of birth. We're not right? doctors
0: or medical professionals. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> every depiction you see of someone having a home birth, right? This is where the conspiracy part comes in for me, okay, right? There because we go. the propaganda that comes along with a home birth, right? I remember telling um, our mom when I decided to have a home birth, she was like, oh, no, you know, midwives don't know what they're doing. You're going to die. You're going to kill my grandson. You know, Ooh, nice. They, they're very terrified about right. because. About right. Yeah, you have different types of midwives. So you have like a certified nurse midwife, right, which is like top of the top. She's a nurse. She's a straight-up nurse now that helps you work. Typically, those those are in hospitals. They tend to work very closely with doctors because they have that nursing, um, like allopathic part of them. Then you have certified professional midwives, which is what I use. Professional midwives are, you know, they're certified, they carry gear with them, you know, they have a lot of training behind them, a lot of birth hours that they work under other certified midwives. And then you have, um, you have just licensed midwives, which are a little bit Less experience as well. Typically, you want to go with like a CNM, which is a certified nurse midwife or a certified pro- pro- professional midwife, CPM. Okay. And then you have lay midwives, right? So lay midwives are just the women that came, showed up with, you know, the, the propaganda that comes with midwives is, they usually think of lay midwives where they just came. They're just kind of older women that had already had babies. They don't really have a lot of knowledge. They just showed up and said, yeah, I can help you. Here's a cold rag for your forehead. But they weren't really trained or uh extremely knowledgeable when it came to situations where they didn't need to step in, right? They were just kind of like grandmothers that were like, yeah, I've yep. been through this.
0: So, cuz our grandparents on either side of the family, one has had what 13 and one has had almost 15.
2: Yeah, I think
0: and they were all I think mom's
2: childbirth. side I think mom's side is there's 17 of them and okay, I think so only 17. the last one was a C-section okay right ima- and imagine that right yeah. okay once she's older but imagine that having having 16 children naturally 16 children naturally popping them out like they're just tic-tacs right and then getting to your 17th one and them convincing you oh you've had too many babies you're so tiny you need a c section there's no way you can do this a 17th time it's like right. what
1: exactly
2: so they convince her to have it's, a c-section stand back check yeah. this out well even with uh, my mother-in-law you know she's had she had eight and she you know had the first three in Romania so she birthed them naturally in Romania they did go to like a clinic area but she had them all natural and then she came to the states and the first experience she has in the states uh she has the there's like a rh negative when you're you and your baby have different uh blood types. Okay. So you have to take like a medication because the body essentially reacts to the I'm not super knowledgeable in it because I've never experienced it or had to deal with it, but essentially from what I understand, the body kind of attacks the baby because it sees it as like a foreign object that it wants to get rid of. Okay. So you have to take a medication to kind of calm your body down. So they essentially tell <laughs> my mother in law that she needs to abort the baby because Holy you smoke. know that she has this issue That's and he's not gonna difference. make it. So it's it's just insane coming from a country where it's just like yeah yeah go have your baby to oh no no, no. now we need to step in you might not be able to... and obviously they were Christians, so they were like no we're not gonna do that he was perfectly fine you know they she had she ended up getting like the shots and stuff and then, uh, you know, she went on to have the rest of the children and then the last child, they convinced her, oh no, you're not able to do this. Cause C-sections had become much more popular. The C-section rate was was rising. And, and now keep in mind that the, the one in three, right? The 33% C-section rate is the average rate across hospitals. So you can go to a hospital that has like say a 10% C-section rate. And then you can go to a different hospital that has say a 50% C-section rate. So, right, it just depends on where. Where you're going. I interviewed. I don't know how many OBGYNs and fired them. I mean, I, I I asked one just straight up, "What is your C-section rate? Like, what is your personal C-section rate? How many right. How many mm. natural births do you it actually attend?" And she couldn't give me an answer. She's like, "Oh, well, birth is complicated, and you know, sometimes C-sections are just saving lives, and it's just it, it, they're immediately." and this is where this is where i'm a very strong midwife advocate right cuz one yes i do hold it against the obgyns right because you they're the doctor they're 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 supposed to be giving informed consent but obstetricians are trained surgeons That's what they train in. They don't train in natural birth. They have very, very little training in natural birth and how the natural birth process actually works. They're trained in how to cut a person open when they need to remove a baby. That's what they're trained in or how to sew someone up, right? This is their training. So when you go to someone and you look at two people and you're like, okay, this one's trained in how to birth naturally and this one's trained in surgery, right? They can work in tandem. That'd be obviously ideal for every single woman. But because it's separate, right, you now have to make this choice. So a lot of women default to, oh, the safer option, let me hire the surgeon, right? Because if I need the surgeon, then he's there. But the problem that comes from that is with the midwife, when you hire a midwife and they're trained in natural birth, you're like, oh, okay, they're trained in natural birth. Let me go there. But a midwife is also trained to say, hey, when it's an emergency, when things start getting yellow and I see a yellow flag thrown out, I'm going to get you to a hospital. So before there's even a red flag, you're in the right hands that you need to be in. And people don't understand that with with actual midwives now that have training because they're so used to this this propaganda idea of lay midwives where they're just this lady that just kind of says, oh, well, you're dying now, you know, good luck. And then the the problem comes now when you hire an an obstetrician, right? You hire the surgeon because you want to be safer and you have this idea of, okay, I'm gonna hire a surgeon and it's safer here. But when you have a natural birth, that's a very, very long process and you're hiring someone who doesn't know that that process, there's just many variations that are all very, very normal. They start to get nervous and they are more comfortable cutting. So they're going to push to the ideas that allow them to cut and be back where they're comfortable and where they know and all training lies right so these things whether it's consciously or subconsciously depending on the doctor all of these things affect how a woman births in a hospital setting and then your bill at the end of it right so not only do they poop on you after they tell you your body doesn't work 30, then they yeah, then they <laughs> poop on you again 30, and say 30, here's your bill even if you have a completely natural birth completely natural birth no interventions no medication you're just in the hospital room you're going to spend 30 grand now if you have a c-section you take medication hey, an iv you your guys, baby needs you, NICU guys, you, you got
0: 60 in your pocket <laughs> give me 60.
2: that's even with even with insurance there's a lot of people that have insurance where they still end up paying four or five thousand dollars out of pocket after the fact Absolutely. i i pay for my entire midwife bill plus a photographer with that I know. that documents I know. all of my births you know so it's, so, but, it's. The, but,
0: there, hey guys There we go, okay? So this is many of, this is only one topic when it comes to pharmaceuticals, the medical industry, and this is just one perspective from a woman who has had four home births. Not to say it's for everybody, we're not, again, we're not medical professionals, we're not giving medical advice, but we're putting a perspective on exactly, this has not been my perspective at all, because I had nothing to prove, nothing to show, I've had zero kids, so, and literally, I haven't birthed any child yet. Maybe one day, with the help of technology, <laughs> I'm going to have a little butt baby. But for now, this is a perspective from a woman who's actually had home birth. So, yep. you know, from her perspective on what she's seeing, what the possibilities are for, you know, little little shenanigans going on with, you know, an industry that Some requires... shady, shady things, man. An industry that needs to build a chemical industry who needs to provide a drug for, you know, pharmaceuticals for a pregnant woman. When in reality, a woman's body is beyond amazing when you can have a home birth without any issues now god forbid something outrageous happens you know there's some internal hemorrhaging or something that is unforeseen but the ability for a woman nowadays it's almost going down the the pipeline of what you know men are being treated like like they're incompetent they're inept yep women they're being put in the same position just because a hospital needs to pay for that fancy lobby you know. well uh, so i know i, I, no, I promise ahead. i won't go off too ahead.
2: much of a tangent but that's where uh obviously Morris and i have this conspiracy where they're the the here comes my tinfoil hat but this is this okay, is what go, we're here bring it. Bring my it. my tinfoil thought here is they're just trying they're trying to destroy the family right so when you take a a family unit And you separate them and you tell the dad, you can't do anything here. The woman's body's broken. You need our help. You can become very dependent on them versus in our experience of a home birth. When they're there, the midwife's like, "Go help your wife. Be there for nice. her, right? You you make this bond together, where the husband now participates and holds the woman and massages and gives back pressure and you know starts the water, puts her in, holds her up, you know, helps with the baby, and yeah. sometimes they catch the baby. You know, they're they're reassuring the woman. So you the the husband's now put in a place where they get to do something they get to feel useful the woman feels upheld the woman feels comforted the woman feels like she's now bonded and her spouse is capable and can take care of her and you get to make this bond together as you're birthing your child that's why you would want to dismantle that as is it just makes makes my tinfoil thoughts come out man
0: if i got a business like i said every other time you give me a business i can f up your life to make a dollar
1: <laughs> yeah
2: exactly. consider it
0: done because i would i mean that's, I would. that's what all of
2: them woke up and chose <laughs> you, you, let me
0: tell you right now guys you can't close your front door without me being there okay? Yep, yeah that door is difficult complicated you know how to use a key what when a monkey and a chimp can probably uh, side note there was a there was a group of orangutans in a specific zoo that they almost got all the facility uh Uh, what is that, staff fired because there was a very specific chimpanzee. His name was Fu Manchu. Look him up, Fu Manchu. (laughs) That at the end of the night, they would search him because they thought, they swore somebody (laughs) had a key or was leaving something open.
2: He's all criminal. (laughs) This guy
0: was hiding a piece of wire in his upper lip. So every night he would open, he would take that out of his lip and open the cage and let himself out with a wire. Take in mind that there was, (laughs) you needed, you needed a key for this. If a chimpanzee can hide a wire in his upper lip, Girls, you can have a baby.
2: Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Weird
0: analogy, but I'm in. <laughs> but guys, that's all we got for this episode of Tin Foil Thoughts. Thank you again for tuning in. Guys, if you listen on Apple iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, preferably there, you can leave us five stars and actually leave us a review. If you can leave us a review, it helps us tremendously Absolutely. in the algorithm. You don't understand how what that means for us if you can leave us a comment. A couple of you guys have left a comment. Much appreciated. Um uh, if you on Spotify or any other platform, go ahead and give us a thumbs up or a like that helps out quite a bit as well. But, uh, thanks. And again. don't
2: forget you can email us as well. If you have requests or questions or concerns, feel free to email us.
0: Email is right underneath the description. So if you just swipe up a little bit, you actually see more about this podcast and you actually get, uh, the emails, the first thing that's going to pop up. So go ahead and send us an email. We, we have that email address for a reason. Go ahead and let us know what you think.
2: Boom. Yep. Never too crazy.
0: Never too crazy. Thanks again, guys. See you next time on Foil Thoughts.
1: Thank you for watching the show. Tune in next time. Like and subscribe. See you soon.